Okay, welcome everyone. This is the Dead Man's podcast, and today we have your guest, Robert Yeho. He's going to tell us about his books. He's an author, and he will also tell us a little about the healthcare and uh, the hormone therapy and the, the COVID and the vaccines. He had uh, quite a past experience in the health industry. Welcome, Robert. Thank you, Anath. It's a pleasure. I am teleporting to you from Los Angeles, California, to Africa. And it's, I haven't teleported to Africa, but once or twice before, and I, I really appreciate the opportunity to come. You have already reached Rwanda. Rwanda, that's fantastic. You're my first Rwandan friend. Well, uh, so let's start from uh, running more about your books. What's your most recent, recent book? And uh, what can we run about it? What is in the book? Okay, so I, 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 my most recent book is about hormone therapy, but I regard myself as a healthcare whistleblower. And I got interested in healthcare corruption because I prescribed hormones to my older patients. And it, it's very helpful, especially for women, uh, to uh, to get on hormones after the change of life when the hormones uh, get get very low, and this prevents uh, many diseases. It makes them feel better, and it prevents the symptoms of the menopause or change of life. And so, as I started thinking about hormones, and uh, I got older, and my patients got older, and pretty soon all my women patients. And I, I primarily had a female practice because uh, I was uh, doing cosmetic surgery. You know, we do liposuction and breast uh, implants and facelifts and all that stuff that happens in California. And yes. I, I, my competitors, uh, the plastic surgeons, they would operate on a string of depressed and anxious patients. And the patients are frequently just trying to treat their depression and anxiety with surgery. And that's inappropriate uh, when they have such obvious symptoms of the change of life or menopause, which it primarily occurs after 50, but sometimes can happen much younger. And so I studied hormone therapy and I uh, gradually became more sophisticated. And as I learned about it, I realized how important it was. And I also realized that our food and drug agency, which is uh, the regulatory, uh, supposed regulatory body for the medications that are used in America, and re it's regarded around the world as an authority, they had put warnings on the major hormones, the um, estrogen and the progesterone and the testosterone, claiming that these things caused horrible problems. And uh, basically, that was uh, a pack of lies. As I examined it further, <clears throat> I was shocked at how impressively helpful these things are. I mean, we have experience with thyroid that dates back 120 years, <clears throat> and we have experience with testosterone and estrogen and uh, progesterone that dates back 50, 60, 70 years. So these are some of the best medications in our whole medical formulary, and they were being run down by this Food and Drug Administration, which as I studied... Um, as I studied the situation, I learned how corrupt the whole thing is uh, because they, they're sort of in bed with the big pharmaceutical companies. But, uh, and we can get into that later. But yes, uh, um, 
these medications are they're they're fantastic and they 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 help people uh, uh they even can be used to treat certain kinds of cancer so and the symptoms are uh that they treat are they, i mean it's fantastic and i can uh read a couple of uh testimonials from my patients um that uh describe their their reactions to the hormone therapy so so i got more and more into the uh the history and the, uh, you know, and I started to realize how corrupted uh, American medical care is. And I, as I progressed through my learning process, I became uh, aware of all this insanity. And then the last two years, this crazy COVID thing came around. And I mean, it, it's it's even worse corruption. It's unbelievable that Africa has largely escaped just through a, a, a chance because you guys have frequently used these drugs that are so effective against viral illnesses. Um, yeah, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. Hydroxychloroquine is used in parts of Africa every week by everybody in the country. So they never, they never got COVID. They never had any significant. And in America, we ended up with 20% of the deaths in the entire world due to our horrible policies, due to COVID, 20% of the deaths in the entire world, and we're only 4.5% of the total population. So we, we, we've been attacked by our own regulators and attacked by our own drug companies. And just to let you know what my feeling is about the whole situation, Jay Leno, who you've heard of, is a comedian in America. He's retired now, but he's a famous comedian. He went to Europe one time and he was on a tour and he said he says look he says we ruined our culture now we're going to come over here and ruin yours and so that's it's it's an american disaster that has been foisted on the rest of the world that's my opinion so can go so uh, according to your point of view uh, i think this head for medical corruption uh, might be the main cause to the highest medical issues in the in the United States. While uh, the numbers also show that the United States invests much money than any anyone else in the medical industry. That's right. It's crazy. We have we spend twice what any developed country spends per person per capita. I mean, it's just, and we have horrible results. I mean, our you know, one of the measures of our health is total mortality. In other words, how old are we when we die? How how long we live? All that stuff. We are down below. We're in like 50th place or something like that in terms of countries and mortality. It's not like we're there's three or four of them at the top and we're at the top. We are literally killing our populace with excess medication, surgery and drugs. And uh, it's got to be the reason because we we spend so much more. I mean, it's a it's a sick sick situation. We we spend twenty percent roughly of our gross domestic product on healthcare, which is it's just cripplingly expensive, and it's an it's a predatory industry that. And I can explain how it all works together if you want. Um, if you want to go through the hormones first a little bit, we can do that. But it's it's your choice, Anath. It's your podcast. Okay. Well. I recently read the medical report, which is called Lessons from the Miracle Doctors by John Barron. And it exactly shows how the United States invests 
really a lot of money in the medical industry, and yet they still lose a lot of people than any other one, any other country in the world. So this medical corruption thing seems to be the main cause, and uh, I think it must be discussed to the whole community so that they understand what is happening, and maybe the policymakers should see how they can change things because it looks like some doctors like uh, those ones in the the cosmetic surgeries they want just you to give them money while they don't tell you the effects of that surgery once the other health issues are not solved it's really a big problem well uh, and now the cosmetic surgeons are not the the most attractive group of doctors in america but they are innocent of the phenomenal corruption that is present in the rest of healthcare. And I could just go through some of the areas of corruption so you, you sort of have an idea of what's going on over here. And, it, and like I said, it's a disaster we're spreading to the rest of the world, like, just like Jay Leno said. But we've got a health insurance industry that's predatory. We spend 20% of our total healthcare dollars of $4 trillion a year, T trillion, paying these insurance companies to administrate our healthcare. <clears throat> and it's not that it's nothing like that anywhere else. I mean, there is some insurance industry involvement in healthcare, but it's nothing like the United States where they administrate the Medicare and they administrate um, the private insurances. Uh, 20%, they extract a fifth right off the top. So these people are actually motivated to increase the total spending. And it's a perverse situation that <clears throat> has been terrible. Um, our hospitals. <clears throat> Are, we spend 35 to 40 percent of the total, <clears throat> excuse me, healthcare yes, spend okay. on, on hospitals, and they they are like predators. I mean, these people, there are very little oversight, um, and you can listen to my. I have a podcast about uh, uh, what they're doing with the COVID patients, and it's just insane. I mean, they've been incentivized by uh, our federal government to treat our COVID patients improperly, and they literally are killing them. Um, we've got uh, a big pharma uh, situation where they're, they're incredibly corrupt. They have essentially purchased the our Food and Drug Administration, FDA, which is the, their regulatory body. They pay 50% of the FDA's um, total budget of $5 billion. They pay 50% directly to the FDA during the patent review process. And what happens is these companies now regard the FDA as, uh, uh, or the, the FDA regards these companies as clients. So they, if the FDA doesn't approve a drug, in theory, they could have trouble making their own payroll. It's crazy. And the journals and the academics of medicine are completely corrupted. They're bought off by, um, uh, they're essentially bought off by the industry. They print fraudulent studies uh, containing purposefully confusing math developed by academics who are sponsored by the corporations. And we allow direct-to-consumer advertising, uh, which no one else, no other country in the world but New Zealand allows. And I mean, it just creates a horrible uh, anxiety and false information spread in the United States. And it goes out to the rest of the world. Our psychiatrists are some of the most corrupt um, specialists in the whole industry, in my opinion, because they give drugs which have very little uh, 
evidence that they specifically treat the problems because they they have very they have almost no sugar pill controls in the studies that they've been that they've uh, had that have you've been used to justify them our heart industry we are doing two almost completely ineffective treatments for coronary artery disease which is blockage of the heart arteries and these include coronary artery bypass grafting and angioplasty, which is uh, which are ways to suppose to open up the uh, the blockages, which basically barely work or don't work. And I can get into that later too. We've got a back pain industry, which is almost completely ineffective. It includes surgery when done as we do it, almost completely indiscriminately, uh, which is another disaster. Which uh, the studies all show it doesn't work. We've got a painkiller industry, which which we've allowed private corporations, which are privately held, Purdue Pharma, to um, market uh, drugs which were intensely addictive. They're opioids. They had a, a single opioid they claim, claimed wasn't addictive. And they destroyed uh, 100,000 people in the United States a year with overdoses. They encouraged the whole thing. And this encouraged, because the prices were driven up, it encouraged street opioids. And now we have a huge problem with that. We've got... Um, I, I mean, I can rattle on about this stuff if you want, but take this where you want to, it to go now. Okay, so as I understand the, the medical corruption, I think this is what everyone can understand. For example, if uh, the FDA considers a certain company as a, a client, then uh, it has a small, okay, maybe a medium obligation to approve its medicines, which is not fair. So what advice could you give and uh, what should the world be doing? How, what, what can we do to solve this and to protect the, the health of the people? Well, that's a, that's a huge question. And, it, you know, the other countries have done well with single single payer systems, right? In other words, they, they've got a system sort of like a Medicare for all or, um, you, you know, Singapore has a national health system and they only spend less than 5% of their gross domestic product on uh, on healthcare, which is less than a quarter of ours, less than a quarter of what we've spent. Um, so that's a step in the right direction. But in America, if we do that, uh, the problem is that um, we have a uniquely dysfunctional blend of capitalism and socialism that uh, any change in the system usually increase, increases the total spending. Uh, which is just crazy. We're spending too much right now. And the corporations are kind of in charge of the whole thing because yeah, I'm just going to tell you the size of, you know, healthcare. Just think of this. Healthcare is $4 trillion in America. The total federal government spending is roughly the same. They have $3.5 trillion in, in tax revenues. And of course, they're spending, now they're spending more than, they're spending more than uh, they're taking in. So they're, it's, it's roughly the same size. So our healthcare companies own the Congress. They're allowed to bribe them with uh, donations to the individual congressmen and senators. So they basically tell them what to do. And uh, it's it's the single biggest industry in America and we pay for it all. We, we give them the money and then they bribe our uh, legislators with it. So um, it's, it's hard to imagine how this is going to get corrected in America without some sort of disaster. But the disaster seems to have been cooked up. So, I mean, we're going to see what happens over the next few years. It looks like we're going to have massive inflation and a lot of problems. And uh, 
you know, you, you may uh, you may not no longer be envious of our uh, our situation in America from Rwanda. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's crazy. Yes, so, so yeah, go ahead. For the the rest of the world, because this disaster is rapidly spreading to the whole to the whole world. So for the rest of the world, especially for countries like Africa, in Africa, we are the most vulnerable. We don't know where things go and we find ourselves becoming the vulnerabilities. So what should we be doing as Africans? Maybe should we start putting more efforts in creating our own, our own medical production institutions so that we make sure that we have the medical products that are safe for our people. Well, you know, at least half of what we do in America is either useless or actually harmful for people. And so uh, the thing I would tell the Africans to do is to try to develop a separate system that's entirely independent of these global corporations. Don't buy anything Bill Gates sells, right? Africa has been invaded with these vaccines and you, in many cases, you've been forced to use drugs and vaccines that are tremendously harmful. And, uh, you, you know, you've been sold vaccines with mercury in them that have long-term horrible health consequences. Uh, and in America, some of this stuff has been kept out of the hands of our doctors. But um, in Africa, it's you have less power to deal with these, these crazy uh, uh corporations and and it's uh you, you know gates's group has just frankly murdered uh you know tens of thousands of people with with uh with vaccines and disasters like there's a injectable depo provera which is a birth control product which is just horrible i mean it, it's the doses are way too high it makes women gain about 10 pounds a, a month i mean it's just it's crazy and <clears throat> that's not used much in America now. I don't know if it's used at all, but um, it's a monthly injection. And, uh, it, you know, the Africans have essentially been experimented on uh, by uh, these predatory corporations like the Gates uh, Foundation. And you may know this and you may not know this, but the Gates Foundation started out as the Gates Foundation for Population Control. And so he's literally, he, he and his father have been interested since uh you know for decades and his father was interested in this they're basically cons they're they're convinced that we have too many people and they'd like to get rid of a lot of them and it's not just a matter of population control now they have this crazy vaccine that actually causes disaster after disaster and death after death and it's all being covered up because these cor corporations are so powerful so take me where you want me to go here and now well uh, the, the main problem we have here in Africa is that most of our countries and governments, they, they still want to be dependent on, on Westerners. For example, I personally know a friend of mine who has, who has been killed. She's dead by now by the vaccines. Uh, and uh, there are quite a lot of people I know who tell me about the people who, has, who are dead by now. And uh, we are not doing anything about it. We just still vaccinate our people and we don't think about what these vaccines are doing to people. And there are a lot of other medicines. For example, I, 
in the past like five or six years, you know, these medicines that are used by women to, 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 to reduce impregnation, uh, they told us that one of those products were actually used for cuts uh, in, their, in the Europe, which is something very crazy to use that product for human beings. So uh, let's continue on uh, your book. You have written another book called Butchered by Healthcare. Uh, what can people find in this book? Okay, so I was starting on the uh, description of the things about uh, Butchered by Healthcare, which, uh, I mean, there's a whole lot more. Um, you know, oncology is cancer treatment in America. And I don't know what is going on in Africa as far as cancer treatment goes, but what we do, most of it is much worse than nothing. We have about five diseases that we can treat adequately. The rest of the different cancers, the most that they ever expect is two more year, two more months of increased survival. That's their the goal of the arm. And our medications cost $100,000 a year on average. It's crazy. And basically our cancer doctors they're allowed to fee split, which means they get 20% off the top of all the medications that they give. So it's it's insane. It's it would be illegal if enough if you were a physician and I was a physician and I said here's a drug, give it to your patients, I'll give you 20% off the top. That would be a federal felony felony uh, you know criminal thing. <clears throat> but with the drug companies, they're allowed to do it. And we've we've gotten going. The psychiatrists have gotten us going on amphetamines, which uh, you know I don't know if you've got ADHD over there, but in America, <clears throat> they claim that the kids have this uh, problem that needs to be treated with amphetamines. Now we've known about amphetamines since um, I mean they've been around for a hundred years, and they were used in Japan. Uh, for the kamikaze pilots to uh, commit suicide by driving their planes into a um, uh, a ship, and so I mean these things are they they cause brain shrinkage and a lot of other problems. And the people that initially recommended them now think it's crazy. Um, but all of our brightest kids can get can either get a diagnosis of this and get these stimulants or get them from their friends. And we are now treating older patients, older people who they claim have an epidemic of, uh, uh, you know, senior ADHD, adult, whatever it is, hyper um, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Okay. We have we have these industries in America that are almost completely useless. We do mammograms on women at intervals. I mean, unbelievable millions and millions of these mammograms. It's a little bit risky, but the math doesn't work. Patients don't live longer on average after accounting for the hazards of the various invasive procedures that go along with mammogram you know, findings. So, I mean, we do, we stick a, a, a scopes up everybody's backside looking for colon cancer and the math doesn't work for that unless you already have a bleeding from your rectum or abdominal pain or some other symptom. It's a it's a common uh, tumor, but um, we and we've got this whole huge prostate cancer industry that uh, is sometimes treated with this incredibly uh, you know bad operation called a radical prostatectomy, which uh, you know a third of them get impotent 
you know, they can't have sex, and a third of them pee themselves the rest of their lives, roughly. It may be a little less, but it's something like that. And we have an industry based on going into the knees with um, with a scope and nipping out pieces of cartilage, and that has received sham surgery studies, and that doesn't work either. That's a $5 billion industry. So you're, in Africa, your best bet is to try not to imitate America, and you have to get somebody in charge who can say uh, F off to these huge corporations who are trying to sell you stuff. I mean, they're, they've, they've convinced large areas of Africa to produce genetically modified uh, uh, foods and then they've, you know, and they claiming that they're, they could market them to the West and their, your subsistence farming has been destroyed. And that's been a great evil for you also, because during COVID, a lot of people starved over there. I know, I know that's true. Yes. The, the problem is that we have already started imitating people, imitating, imitating what the Westerners are doing. Exactly. And, uh, for example, on that uh, pro production of uh, genetically modified uh, agricultural products, the, the major problem here is that they encourage us to, to produce those, those products. They tell us that they are the ones that uh, will give us a lot of production in farming. And when we, are try, we try to export those products to Westerners, they don't accept to buy such products, which is is not understandable. But still, they continue to force us and fund us to create those products, which they don't consume. It's a major problem that shows that we are being corrupted. Yes, it's terrible. And this Gates Foundation is uh, at the center of a lot of it. And they, they're just tremendously powerful and wealthy. It's an unbelievable scene. This thing, yeah, they, of, uh, this thing has been spread in a lot of areas, including education. They, uh, for example, our education system here, we all know that if you study rockery, you are not gonna make everything, anything out of your life because we, we have what we call poor education, which cannot support you in doing anything. For example, by the time I started my business, I realized that I have been wasting a lot of time. And most of the things that I have uh, covered at school, I didn't even use 10 or 20% of them in the business world. It's very different. And what we are studying is something that cannot really give you life in the modern world. And uh, this is being done uh, by the, the G's, G's, this, this Germanese company. So uh, let's continue. You have also another book called A New Body in One Day. So okay. as anyone that, can hear about it. Yes, that's continue. an old book. That's an old book. And now that, that's probably 15 or 20 years old. And that's a, it just describes uh, cosmetic surgery the way it was back then and it's it's a little dated so i don't think we have to talk about that that was meant to market my medical practice so you just saw that online yes i saw it on amazon i'm retired i'm not doing i'm i'm doing a penance now for doing a career in a frivolous area like cosmetic surgery 
and I'm trying to do some good in the world. Okay, so let's talk more about your career as an author right now. Okay, so, so you go ahead. Well, tell us something about yourself. Where you are from, where, what's your background, and how long we have been writing, or anything we might find interesting about you as an author. Okay, so I'm, I, as I think I said, I'm 68, and I retired when I was 65. And after a yeah. career mainly doing cosmetic surgery, and I, the year or two before I retired, I was treating. I, I became very interested in these uh, uh, hormones and how much good, how dramatic they were, how much they help people. And I, I mean, I here's a couple of quotes about the hormones. I could live without my husband, children, or cats, but I could never live without my beloved estrogen. <laughs> That's a, a woman yeah. who's given estrogen. Now. Estrogen, if we gave estrogen to everyone over 50, all the women over 50, it would prevent up to 85% of the Alzheimer's disease or senility. Now, I know that's a big claim. And, it, you know, even in your early 20s and after, you probably think that's crazy. The, the a physician hearing that would think it was just nuts. But I included an appendix in my book, Hormone Secrets, that has 75 references that testify to the truth of that. So um, it, it, these things are very valuable. I mean, here's something, here's what you can do with testosterone. Here is a testimonial from an 82-year-old retired CEO of a major media company. He said, I lost all strength and I was sitting in a wheelchair in a Palm Springs nursing home. The staff had to lift me in and out of bed. I was inches from being snuffed out. Then my doctor started coming in every week and giving me testosterone shots. In six weeks, I stood up and walked out of there, back into my life. And that can work for women too. So these these things are near miraculous. I mean, they uh, they they uh, they're they're fantastically useful, and I'm convinced they they make uh, people live longer. Okay. So about this hormone, hormone thing, are you providing any service about, for example, hormone, uh, hormone therapy or uh, any product recommendations for this hormone thing? So, well, you can now I'm retired. I don't give uh, medical advice any longer to anyone specifically. And here's the um, disclaimer I was supposed to do at the beginning of the podcast, which I, I lost track of and didn't do. So, um, Use this information at your own uh, risk, and if you have medical problems, you have to go to a licensed uh, provider or doctor or PA or whatever. Um, but the question is, uh, are there hormone products you can get over the counter? And the answer is yes. And one of the things that people in Africa may not need as much as people in Western uh, societies is vitamin D. Vitamin D, uh, if you get a lot of sun exposure, it can be provided by conversion uh, uh, by the uh, uh, skin. But in Western societies, particularly people uh, people who live in Sweden and places where they cover up their bodies, it's cold a lot. Uh, vitamin D supplementation is cheap. It's a hormone. It's not a mineral, and uh, that's that's exceedingly helpful. And it's described in Hormone Secrets, which, incidentally, I'm not a money making operation. You can get these books online for three dollars each. You know, as ebooks. So. Uh, and they, they took four years to write. So the other thing that older, uh, more uh, 
uh, senior people can uh, get over the counter, and I'm sure it's available in Africa, is DHEA, which is a like a mild testosterone in a pill. The other hormones in America are prescription, and you can find these uh, by going to a, a doctor and have having them uh, uh, have a look at you and maybe test your blood and and getting on the the, uh, uh, the medications. But I mean, I can tell you that almost every woman over 50 is an excellent candidate for these things. And most men over 50 are, are as well. Occasionally you find people who've maintained high hormone levels into their older age, but it's not common. So I recommend you guys, even in Africa, study the hormone secrets book. If you can afford to go to one of these doctors um, and you, I'm sure you can find these people in Africa, they're all over Europe and the United States uh, who understand this stuff. And you study it yourself so you know what you want, uh, because I've got everything in there that I could possibly help help my readers with, including doses and uh, and recommendations for societies that uh, that uh, uh, have these doctors. You might even be able to find from Africa, you might be able to find someone who would treat you from another country and you could see virtually and have the medication shipped from the United States or Europe. But I don't I don't know about that. I suspect a lot of this is over the counter. If testosterone injections are over the counter in your country, you may, I, I never recommend treating yourself, but it may be much cheaper to, to get a hold of this stuff uh, over, over there than it is in America. And in America, you have to go through a doctor and, um, you know, I, uh, and, and then they have to prescribe it and then they have to send it to the pharmacy and so on and so forth. Okay. So we will have to share the links of uh, your podcast and uh, the book as well. So- I'll send you some links. Yeah. Yes. Uh, how did you know that you wanted to be a writer? Uh, how did you get started? And w- what inspired you to write the genre you are writing? And why did you choose uh, to write the, the, in the, the medical genre? Good, good question. So, you know, doctors now, I mean, in America, doctors are an elite group, right? There's a million of us here, one million in the United States out of whatever our population is. And it's the largest group of smart people we have. But unfortunately, we are trained in, in a way that makes us follow the leader in a very cowardly fashion. And there's only a few of us who are standing up now uh, against the medical corruption and the uh, the insanity of the, the COVID narrative and the insanity of the, uh, the, the vaccine that, that does much more harm than good. Uh, so we're, we're, we're a bunch of smart people. And like a lot of doctors, I was interested in writing from, you know, my childhood. And I was a reader. I read all the time, which is sort of a necessary ingredient uh, to become a writer. And then uh, as I approached my retirement, I started looking into this corruption uh, first through the the idea of the problems with the hormone therapy. And then I gradually learned one field after another. And I I learned about the things that I, I described earlier and more, uh, which are described in Butchered by Healthcare. And uh and I taught myself how to write better. I mean, I could write, everyone can write, but uh, g- good writing, I think I'm a, I'm a good writer, maybe not, uh, you know, no, I'm no... Well, I, I can understand that because uh, I am also an author, if I haven't told you about that, I am also an author. You will gradually improve. And one of the things that influenced me greatly, and I can leave a link for this, was 
Orwell's uh, book about the English or his uh, essay about the English language. And it's about maybe five, 7,000 words. And it tells you how important it is to be as simple as possible and to avoid jargon. And that, that's been my policy. And as I've written more, I've gotten, uh, my writing's gotten simpler and easier to read, I think. And you may know enough that you can check the grade level of your writing by taking samples of it and copying and pasting it into websites that will determine the grade level of your writing. And I got uh, horm um, butchered by healthcare down to about the 11th grade level, which is hard to do with that kind of material. But I got hormone secrets, which uh, I finished second. I got that down to the ninth grade level, which which is a hard thing to do with uh, uh, medical material. Um, so you just try to make it as simple as possible because you have to realize you're writing for the reader, not for yourself. I mean, if you're writing for yourself, you use every $50 word that you can because you think it's cool. But if you're writing for a, a, a reader that's less sophisticated, you want them to be able to understand you and not go on to something else. You want them to be interested in what you're, you're, you're writing and uh, have it be comprehensive, uh, comprehensible, comprehensible to them. And as an author, your writing has to be very simple that everyone can read. So exactly. So the, that's uh, the you, most important you, you, principle. You talked about those platforms that can help authors to check how their their writing is. Uh, do you have any recommendations? We can. I can leave a link for that in the show notes. I'll send that to you in an email afterwards. But that's those are is very helpful. And if you find that your writing is uh, uh, not clear, those automatic checkers will let you know how bad it is. <laughs> you know? And it's it's humbling. And if you okay. try to get it down to seventh, eighth, or ninth grade level, I mean, it's not easy uh, for someone like me who, you know, I think in, uh, you know, my vocabulary is fairly large and I, I think in, and you use another trick is to use a thesaurus, right? Thesaurus gives you synonyms, but I use the thesaurus in a reverse way, right? So if I, if I, if I want to use a word like um, maybe immunity or uh, you know, profoundly or, or something uh, that, that's a little more complex, I, I, I put that word in the thesaurus and then I look for a simpler word that's fewer syllables and less complicated and more understandable to a unsophisticated reader, to an unsophisticated reader. Um, so that's another tip to use a thesaurus, but use it in a reverse way. You don't want to make, you're, you want your writing to be poetic, but in a simple way, a simple and clear poet poetry, rather than rather than simple and, and uh, complicated with complicated imagery. Okay, we Does will also sense? share that link in the introduction. Well, another question, are you a panzer or a, pro, uh, a proto? This is to mean, do you outline and plan your story or do you just sit down and write when you are motivated? How and, do and you, how, a, what was the process of writing your first your book? That's a sophisticated question. And you've read a lot about writing, obviously, or, or you wouldn't have that uh, verbiage. Who, who have you read, uh, who have you learned at, about your writing from? Yes. What uh, websites or what, what sources? What sources have you used to learn about your writing, about learning how to write? Because that's a great question, but it, it's, it, it shows the marks of someone who has studied writing. 
So for the first time when I wrote my first book, for example, I got this inspiration from one book of an African woman, which I have read. Uh, the, the book included a uh, little about uh, the process of uh, writing a book. Then I, I also had to source more information from the, the internet, from Google and the other websites. So I, I can't actually yeah, remember exactly. which, That's fine. which website I got the information from for the first time. Okay, so here's, here's the answer to your question. Um, I think that planning ahead um, is exceedingly important for fiction. Um, but you have to understand that I didn't understand my subject very well at the start. And as I studied, I learned more. So my, my work was uh, written as a series of essays, and I use a fantastic program, which is inexpensive, um, called Scrivener. Scrivener is you can't do without Scrivener because it's so easy to put references in and it's easy to skip around to different parts of the book. And it's got an autocorrect function, which is far better than Microsoft Word. And so, and I think a one-time license, permanent license for Scrivener is less than a hundred dollars. And so, I mean, that's something, if you write all the time, it's gonna save you an enormous amount of time. So I wrote my stuff as a series of essays. I have over 500 references in each of my two books. And uh, so my thinking developed. So, so I am seat of the pants, probably that's the best way to go. But I, you know, I did my research and my writing simultaneously. And then at the end of the time that I wrote um, Butchered by Healthcare, I rewrote the entire thing for six months. And during that period, I know it sounds crazy, during that period, it got easier to read and better. And I had I had two dozen people read it and give me suggestions. And the thing had many, many flaws early on, and it got better and better. And now it's got 200 five-star reviews on Amazon. So it's not a big uh, commercial success or anything like that. But it's 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 getting more and more attention now. And we I sell maybe 30 of them or 20 of them a day. Uh, internationally, you know, it's mainly probably Kindle version, which it's no money anyway. It's three dollars a piece, and Amazon gets half of it or more. Okay, uh, you say you have you are saying about how your book is getting more attention right now. So, on this point, uh, could you give ideas to new aspiring authors about how they can promote their work, their books? once they are published and how they can really generate more reads to their books. Okay, now that's a hard one. Um, it, you know, I, you know, here in the United you, States- you, you can simply share the, the tactics that you use. No, that's fine. I'll share, I'll share my knowledge, but uh, you, you know, it's, I, I'm no commercial success and very few authors are. And if you want to, if you sincerely believe that what you want to do is become a commercial author, um, you're just gonna have to go on the websites and study all this stuff. And the best single website is Kindlepreneur, K-I-N-D-L-E-P-R-E-N-E-U-R.com. So you have to study that website in detail. It's got, it's got an enormous amount of material. I've been to uh, national conferences about authors you know, that authors go to with a thousand people in, in the room. And I talk to everyone and I can tell you 
it's not an easy thing to be a, a commercial uh, commercial success. So uh, okay. I I got a lot of my ideas from uh, that, Dave Chesson and Kindle Preneur. So I recommend that you do that yourself, Anath, and you'll learn a great deal. So I I I also know about this kind of printer, and I think I have sourced some of a few information from this website once. Yeah. Well, that that I it's got a he's got a podcast. There are there are several podcasts you can go to. He references a lot of them in his podcast, so that's the best place for authors to start. But it's, I mean, it's not you either. You have if you're bitten by the author bug you almost have no choice. And I got bitten by the bug when I started reading and understanding how corrupt Medicaid, medical care was. And uh, so I went on a, a quest that took me years and I'm kind of out the other end and mainly doing podcasting now, but I am writing also on Substack. Substack is a, as right now, it's a free blog platform and it's uncensored to date. And I'm hoping that it stays uncensored, but you can look at my essays on substack.com and it's robertyoho.substack.com and you can learn the background. You can learn much more about, um, uh, you know, my view of the world and my view of healthcare uh, on robertyoho, R-O-B-E-R-T-Y-O-H-O dot substack.com, uh, which is my uh, blog. And I've got... Um, a podcast too on another platform, but it all goes on Substack, so that's the easiest place to start. And you can learn about more about me at robertyohoauthor.com, which is my website, which isn't as active now. But the uh, anyway, so okay, yeah, we also share the links. So, do you plan to write more books in the future? Enough. It's hard to get psyched up to write one of these things because it takes thousands and thousands of hours and. I put at least two days into every um, 2000 word or 1500 word essay I put on Substack. They're carefully edited too. And so my work is now a continuing saga of blogs, right? And I mean, I, I edit them all. I put them all through the, uh, through the uh, various, I, I use, what is the name of that? I use uh, Grammarly which is also very helpful. And you can get a free version of that. It's much better than nothing. And that will detect many simple errors that you could probably detect yourself. I mean, it will also train you in your English language skills. And I, if you I can also afford, use that, uh, that software, Grammarly. It also yeah. works for browsers. What's that? It also works for browsers and uh, Microsoft Word, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, it works for perfectly for, with Word. Yeah, it 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 will. You, or you can copy and paste your essay into Grammarly website, right? So that's what I would do. Uh, is I would copy and paste it. Um, there's another one that works with Scrivener. Uh, now you you have to get Scrivener. I mean, Scrivener is absolutely required if you do much long form writing. I mean, it may not make any difference if you're writing thousand word essays or 2000 word essays. But if you're writing uh, book like things of 40,000 to 100,000 words or more, um, Scrivener is freaking required. I mean, you, you got to do that before you buy dinner. All right, I'm going to check about it. So where do you get information or ideas? How do you source ideas for your books, for your book uh, that you have written? 
Well, you know, I'm a nonfiction author and I, I used to read fiction when I was your age. I hate to use that. I hate to use, I used to read eight hours a day of fiction, but um, as I got older, I became only interested in nonfiction and I consumed all kinds of stuff. And, but this subject that I have, have committed myself to, um, it's, it's an organic development for me from my original training as a physician into learning about healthcare corruption. And then finally getting into this insanity that's been going on the last two years. I mean, this is, it makes the rest of healthcare corruption look like they're amateur hour. I mean, these, these uh, pharmaceutical companies are, uh, they're predatory, they're opportunistic, but uh, what they've done is uh, they've, they've teamed together with some of the worst elements in the world. And I mean, it's just, it's horrible what's going on. Uh, and so that's, it all developed organically for me. Now, your listeners may be interested in writing and they may be writing interested. In, I, I've met successful writers who did nothing but write children's stories. I mean, some, one of the, the most successful person I've met who was a writer, the guy who was making the most money on it, he started out by writing and narrating uh, kid stories for his own kids. And uh, he developed into a, a, a major uh, writer and he's making money on it. But I mean, writing about healthcare corruption, even though it's my subject, I mean, it's, it's, people are interested, but it's a limited market compared to something like children's stories. So, so anyway, that's, that's uh, my story. Okay. Uh, do you read reviews or do you hear from your readers and what kind of thing, things do they say about your work? Well, the easiest way to have a look at that is to um, search for Butchered by Healthcare on the Amazon website, and you can read 200 reviews. And I don't have many detractors. I mean, they're, they're generally very uh, complimentary, and some major players in the healthcare industry, who I regard as major players, I'm now in contact with because of my book, and they have approached me through my website. You can you can email me directly uh, through robertyohoauthor.com, the website. And it's also, my my email is also in uh, robertyoho.substack.com, which is my Substack account. So I, I've had very complimentary uh, um, stuff from physicians and other people. But, I, you know, Anath, I'm a small time, uh, I'm not that visible. I, you know, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I'm unknown. Um, so... Uh, but I, I have attracted some attention, and I'm doing my best to uh, uh, to help help the world uh, survive what's going on. Okay. So, what does your family or friends and colleagues think about your writing in general? Well, in America, you may understand this. Uh, a third of us believe what happens on mainstream media, and so those those people. I, they're the, the most credulous, if you if you understand that word. It means that they you swallow anything whole, and they can they can claim that uh, the world is going to end because of some something happening in the Ukraine, uh, in you know, or they can right now they're claiming. I mean, China is developing this story that uh, that that COVID is going to uh, chew through China and kill everybody. Well, they've got a variant of COVID, uh, probably the Omicron variant, which hardly kills anybody. 
and they blocked down Shanghai and they made this mess and people are throwing their pets out of the, the 20th story, 20th story balconies. And I mean, it's, it's pure propaganda. It's pure nonsense. And the, 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 the whole thing, uh, I mean, you have to understand that big pharma is the most criminal industry in history. They lost 86 billion in judgments and settlements to civil plaintiffs and the U.S. federal prosecutors since the year 2000. They've ne there's never been another industry that that we've let hang around and 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 play all these games with us. Um, I mean, Pfizer, Johnson and Johnson, and GlaxoSmithKline all have individual settlements over two billion each, and Pfizer killed at least 50,000 people with this one drug called Bextra. They knew ahead of time it was going to happen. And they rolled out the drug anyway. And I mean, they're, they're Peter Ross, who is a former Pfizer marketing vice president, compared them to mobsters. And Harry Lloyd, who was a Park Davis CEO, said, if we put horse manure in a capsule, we could sell it to 95% of these doctors. And that's their attitude towards everybody. They're basically uh, 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 conning us. And the, the FDA, since half its budget is paid directly by pharma, they they basically have been totally bought off and they work together with pharma to fake the drug patent studies. I mean, they use statistical manipulation. They corrupt research contractors, subcontractors, some of them in Africa, and they hide studies that don't promote drug sales. I don't think you guys have been forced into taking the human papillomavirus vaccine, Gardasil, but in the U.S. and uh, Europe, it's used by everyone. And Japan had a look at the studies and they realized half of the studies were concealed by the drug companies. So they threw it in the garbage. The, the research literature is totally corrupted. Uh, Peter Gertsche, who's one of the founders of Cochrane Reviews, which is the biggest deal in medicine, he wrote, he said that pervasive scientific misconduct has led to a research literature where one has to dig deeply to find the few gems among all the garbage. And there was a title of a British medical journal editorial last year that said, time to assume that health research is fraudulent until proven otherwise. The, this is, see, a third of the people in the United States believe the medical literature. They believe the, the mainstream media when, when Biden comes on and says that the, the vaccine works or something like this. A third of us have absolutely uh, understand that it's a pack of lies and about a third of us are in between. So that's the that's the answer to your question. What's well, going on over here? Yeah, here in Africa, they don't directly force people to to do things, but they put uh, they put on or implement policies, the rules and regulations that force people to do the things they want them to do, which is also like another thing of forcing people. So let's go on final words. What's the best thing that you would like to tell to the whole world right now, especially to people like Africans who don't know what is really happening in the rest of the world? Well, <laughs> that's a big question. And uh, we, can, we, can, we can go, if you would like to understand what is happening in the rest of the world, there are two books that I recommend you read. And one is the bestseller, probably the bestseller worldwide for the last five months. And it's not gotten onto the New York Times bestselling list because they have censored it. They basically, they haven't reviewed it. And it's written by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And it's called The Real Anthony Fauci. And that thing 
is your best single uh, source to understand what's going on with the rest of the world. And if you're a literate African, that's you should get that on Kindle. It's only three dollars. And I, I personally pushed the author to leave that at three dollars price because I, I thought and, and he said he was already understood that he wants the message to get out. The other one is by Peter Bregan, B-R-E-G-G-I-N. And uh, that that book is uh, uh, called uh, COVID-19 and the Global Predators. Now, both of those people have podcasts, and that's another easy way for you to understand what's going on with the rest of the world. Go to Bregan.com, B-R-E-G-G-I-N.com, and look for the podcast and go back through the archives for the last six months. And RFK Jr., his website is Children's Health Defense, and he's got podcasts on there. So that's the easiest way to understand what's going on in the rest of the world. It's a little complicated to summarize, but suffice it to say that there are corporations and people with no interest but profit that are basically willing to kill us for more money and a bigger share of the pie. And it, it's 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 almost an unbelievable story. You need to read the documentation. The RFK Jr. book has 2,200 references, and the other book has a lot of references too. Okay, we also share us the links in the in the email. We are also going to send the interview questions so that we can post that on uh, Red Minds magazine and uh, the blogs on our book uh, on the blog on our Red Minds bookshop and our company profile and our LinkedIn page. So thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, do, you, do you like to tell us something more? Well, Anath, it's a, it's a pleasure to, to come and talk to you and you're quite a sophisticated interviewer and you, you did your homework. Uh, and I, uh, I appreciate it's It's been a pleasure and an honor. And I think another session on the COVID-19 slash vaccine frauds uh, would be uh, helpful for your listeners. And I'll, I'll post those links for you. Maybe we can do more three questions, one uh, more three sessions, one on COVID and vaccines fraud, and another one on hormone therapy, and another one, of course, on the healthcare corruption. I'm happy to come on again. Thank you very much for joining the Demands podcast. Thank you, Anath. Thank you. Is that